Pride of Detroit podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. Each two-ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has 8 grams of protein. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offerings. You can go to RighteousFelon.com and use the discount code POD20 at checkout to get 20% off your order for the rest of September. That's promo code POD20 at RighteousFelon.com. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. You know where to find us. You know where to get us as we come to you live on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. After a, uh, let's just call this one a rough one. This is going to be a really rough one. And we got plenty of thoughts and frustrations to get out on this episode of the POD cast. Come join us in. This is, as always, a little bit of therapy for myself, for the crew, for our audience on Twitch. For you at listening as you're driving around, getting all, everything you need done with the Pride of Detroit POD cast, please download it. Give us five stars. We love you. We thank you. You've been helping us grow immensely over the past year. And let's get on to the hard part. I'm Chris Perfett, the adequate host at Chris Perfett on Twitter. Joining me as always, Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader, the producer of Pride of Detroit. Jeremy Reisman, I think I said that already, at Detroit Online. Hi, Jeremy. Chris, I'm not mad. I'm just, just disappointed. disappointed. Yep. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. It's a disappointment for everyone. It's hard too because I'm. I think you and I are both battling allergies around this time of year too. Yes. So, let's bring in a man who doesn't need to worry about that, or maybe he does. But the man, the third man, the man, Ryan Matthews. Black is the mother. At Ryan underscore POD, who is also frustrated with this game, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I take Zyrtec or Claritin just like just like <laughs> the rest of you. So Oh, you take something for it. Okay. <laughs> I, I love I love this deflection, everybody. Let's <laughs> we gotta talk about it. We can't keep our feelings in here. We gotta talk about what just happened. Look, I could have talked about so many other things besides just allergies. That's not <laughs> If I'm going to avoid pain, then the last thing I'm going to do is bring up another source of pain. But yes, final score for the Detroit Lions is they give this one up 28-24 to the Minnesota Vikings, losing their lead late in just mind-numbingly awful fashion as they as Detroit gifts Minnesota a timeout after Lions miss a field goal, give the Vikings great field position a 54 yarder then the the vikings turn around they get it through they get it down in their territory lions gift them a timeout then kj osborne takes the top off 28 24 final score but that's just part of the puzzle here as we 
are going to just have to start with decision-making and game management, because that's the story here. It's been a minute since we really got to talk about Dan Campbell and the coaching staff and their decisions. And for a large part, this game was a story of fourth downs and going for it on fourth downs, which I am sure we will say is was a good, good decisions. And for the large part, those gambles played off for the Detroit Lions. But then they started going away from that and made some decision-making late in this game that really just hurt this team through and through. So, Jeremy, where where did the Lions really falter in their game plan here? Where Was it because their aggression petered out? Or were they just managing the clock bad at the end? Or was it the decision to kick a 54-yard field goal off Cyber, who had already missed one of the day? What... What what was really what was really the point that sunk the Lions in this game? I mean, there's to me, there's no question. The the decision to kick that field goal was by far statistically the the worst decision he could have made. It was philosophically the worst decision he could have made. And and Dan Campbell can can own up to it all he wants and and say after the game it was 100 percent my fault. It was 100 percent the wrong call. I I hurt the team. All those things are correct, but you just can't make those decisions in the moment because. Here's the reality of the situation for facing a fourth and four. You decided that with a a minute 10 left and the Vikings have no timeouts, you decided to give them a really good shot at good field position because you put Austin cyber, a guy who was crazy inconsistent in training camp, a guy who has never made a 54 yard field goal in his NFL career, a guy who was two for five from 50 plus yards. You put the game in his hands and I don't like, that alone is bad enough, but but Chris, you know how I, I am team never punt, and mm-hmm. I was screaming for them to punt because even that was a better option than kicking a field goal. It, it's I, I did not expect this from Dan Campbell, and it's not, and, and listen, people are going to hammer him, and, and rightfully so, because he, he made a bad late-game decision, and those, those are how you win and lose games. You should get criticized, but he, like you said, like they went for six times on fourth down in this game. The first time, fourth and five conversion leads to a touchdown. The second and third time, fourth and one conversions back-to-back, they get a touchdown out of that, that drive. And then you turn down the aggression and put it in Austin Seibert's hand slash foot? Doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And even if he makes that kick, it's a bad decision. Because suddenly you are giving the ball back to the Vikings and say, hey, here's all the motivation you've got to, to score a touchdown. You punt that ball away, the Vikings have no timeouts and a minute and change left and have to go at least 80 yards. And you know what they're thinking? Let's just try to get a field goal. They're not thinking touchdown there. If you make that field goal, you make them be more aggressive and give them a better chance to win the game in regulation. It was just an ass-backwards decision by by every move. And listen, I, I guess you can give Campbell credit for saying, hey, I messed up, but that can't happen again. That was awful. Ryan, your thoughts here. Um, there, there's more decisions I want to get to, but I just want to keep it on the field goal for right now. Or any other thoughts just in the late game, how everything developed there that led to the Lions giving up their 24-21 lead. Sure. Um, you know, I, I, I just don't really understand the rationale, as Jeremy mentioned. Um, you know, earlier when the Lions are up 24-21, they're faced with a with a fourth down and one three minutes, 35 seconds left. They're at Minnesota's 30. They go for it. 
they don't get it, but I agreed with the call at the time. You know what? If, if the Lions, yeah. if if the Lions were going to win this game, <laughs> their offensive line is their best defense at this point, right? And, and that at that point in time, Dan Campbell made the right decision. They didn't. I mean, play call aside, they didn't get it. Whatever, you move on, right? But the thing that really hurt the Lions on on, on more of a macro level, when when you ask. Jeremy, Chris, like what was the problem with, with the Detroit lions today? They just couldn't put the game away. And I I think their inexperience showed up and their inexperience cropped up in, in a big way, because didn't it feel like the lions had a a whole handful of chances to end this game? I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, right after the lions score a touchdown and go up by 10, they're gifted a fumble courtesy of Ezra Cleveland. Dalvin cook gets injured on the same play. What happens on the very next drive, three punt or three plays, negative two yards and a punt. The lions defense holds up super strong. They force a three and out from Minnesota. And what happens? The lions get the ball back and it's four plays, 18 yards and another punt. Like the lions just can't keep things going. And I know that they're not the three and outs. And, and I, I know I, I really hammered home like, man, the Lions really need to clean that stuff up. It it wasn't necessarily just three and outs because, yes, a couple of those drives were like, I mean, one of those drives was four plays, but like the Lions had every opportunity to put this game away and they just failed to capitalize on it. And it it was a combination of coaching. It was a combination of inexperience. It was a combination of Jeremy's favorite cornerback, Amani Aurorier. Um, We'll get into that later, but um, you got something to add, Chris? No, I was going to say that that punt that you were talking about, that last punt drove me really insane, the play calling on that. Because it was, yeah, they converted they converted on second down. You get first and first and 10 at their 18. And like, I think it was second, it was second and four. Then you get third and one. And then you like take the pass deep, uh, the, the shot deep. Jared Goff takes the shot deep to, Jared, to Josh Rounds. Okay, okay, totally understood. But I guess... What happened next is what baffled me because you taking a shot deep on third and one when you needed to burn clock at that point and control possession and keep Minnesota's deep offense off the field and keep them on ice like you've been doing all day, that only makes sense if then on fourth and one, you try to ram it down their throats and pick up the first down. And instead they punt. Like that's that's the point. So if you were going to punt anyway on, on fourth down, then on that third and one, you should be trying to pick up the first down. And it was part of just again that 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 part frustrated me quite well, and I know I'm we're veering into the Sunday evening quarterbacking Monday morning for those on the podcast, but it, like that was the point of the game too. Like they also they they were trying they were running the ball a lot, trying to burn clock, but then they would snap the ball with 14 seconds left on the play clock too, and not and lose a lot of that time they could have burned. Like it was very very weird in 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 the late game and i think you're absolutely right the inexperience showed through and like the aggression got put on ice this is a team that they let you know you want to talk about where they could put the vikings away talk about the first half it was 14-0 and then suddenly they let the vikings score two very quick touchdowns so they go into the half tied 
Yeah, and, but I, I think everybody at, at this point, you should know now through three games, the Lions defense cannot be trusted to like pitch a shutout. Like they're, I mean, if the if the Lions defense can hold the opposing team to twenty one points, I I would feel pretty damn good in just about every Lions football game moving forward. But the problem is with with the aggressiveness, as you mentioned, Chris. Why is it? Why is it okay? for the lions to be aggressive in Dan Campbell's mind and his rationale. Why is it okay to be aggressive when you're up 24, 21, there's three and a half minutes left. You're at Minnesota's 30 and you just need one yard, but then some time ticks off the clock. There's a minute and 14 left. It's fourth and four and you're at Minnesota's 36. And then it's no, it's not time to be aggressive. I'm going to, as Jeremy said, I'm going to put the game on Austin Seibert's leg after he's missed a 48 yarder after we, we know that Austin Seibert is not a kicker who is good from deep. Like we know that that is a problem for him. And that I, I'm not trying to put it all on special teams. I, I'm really not, but man, it, uh, it's just a very frustrating gaffe. And, and hopefully that's all it is, right? Hopefully this is a, I mean, if you're going to have a learning moment in the season, Jeremy, is it good for it to happen right now when, when you're one and two and, and you're still in September? I know it's a divisional game. I know that I know that a win in week three against the Minnesota Vikings, as you mentioned on Twitter, completely changes expectations, right? Because you, you mentioned like it felt like the Lions were in a win-win situation coming into today, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, like you said, a win would have pushed them to the top of the NFC North would have been would have made them the only team that hasn't lost a division game and, and all that sort of stuff. And listen, a loss is, is somewhat expected. It's tough to win on the road, especially in the division. I mean, you saw what the Vikings did to the Packers, you know, on at home, I believe in that game. So, you know, you, you take the macro look and you shouldn't be too down on this team. I mean, they, they were able to get two, two score leads in this game against a, a good Vikings team. Um, but like you said, this defense is not currently trustworthy. Um, I thought it was extremely disappointing to see them in the run game. You know, I was just starting to believe that this team might be able to stop between the run, between the tackle runs and backside was just completely undisciplined in this game. Um, Charles Harris, I thought had a bad game. I mean, just, I know, I know Delvin Cook is just going to do that to a lot of teams, but I thought the lines were getting better in that fashion. And, and listen, you're going to, you, it's, it's definitely a setback. You're going to face good running backs like Dalvin Cook. You're going to face some mobile quarterbacks like like Jalen Hurts. You can't keep making excuses. Well, like, well, you know, if we if we you know if we don't face such a dynamic back or don't, such a dynamic quarterback, we'll be fine. Like, I mean, you know, uh, these are guys you play. To that point, though, like if you had told me before this game that we box that the Lions box up Justin Jefferson for three receptions, fourteen yards, I say we're winning that game. Right. Like they did that. They did that. Like they got burned by Thielen and Osborne, but everyone was talking about how Justin Jefferson is going to take the top off the team. Like he's taking the top off everyone else. And he did it. He got boxed up. And we've got to give props to the man who who is responsible for that here very soon. But like to, to your point, like they 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 have shown they can deal with the weapons that these teams have, but ultimately just like yeah, I, I can't t- maybe one of the more frustrating moments of the entire game and there was a lot in the fourth quarter was that alexander madison touchdown like that i I, was it aiden hutchinson who just like blew up the play on the on the front side and then he just it might might not have been that run i think that was actually delvin cook's touchdown but just 
completely like gap sound on on the play side and then just cuts it back breaks a few tackles and and scores so i mean that's maybe that's something that gets better maybe that's something that you don't have to worry about i i was i came to this game like you said very concerned about the secondary and we got mixed results there um but yeah i like if, if we're talking more about the performance of the team i thought i thought it was a step back for the defense in this game um because in all honesty it felt a little fortunate that that the vikings only scored 28 in this one one of the concepts I've been learning about, I, I've been talking, I, I taught someone put in my ear the last couple of weeks is the idea of the middle eight. And this is from a former player who basically explained, like, I, I forget where this was, but like he was explaining that if you want to learn a lot about the team, you look at the middle eight minutes of the game. That's the four minutes before the half and the four minutes after the half and how you deal with those. And we've seen it. And I, I started putting the piece together and we've looked at, how the Lions performs, or it might have been the middle four, I forget. But either way, we've looked at how the Lions perform around halftime, going into the half and then coming out of the half. Because usually if you're up, that's when the other team starts to really fight hard. And out of the half, that's when teams make their adjustments. And sometimes if you're not good at those middle minutes, you'll get caught sleeping. And the Lions in this game, like that's when they let the 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 Vikings back in. Because they're, you know, they they burned up a lot of clock with the eight plays. Uh, turnover on downs in the first in the first half, but then they just let the Vikings grind out a lot of time and then tie the game. And then it for the for the other you know the other side of it, it was a little bit better, but still they, it's a very disappointing five minute drive that ends on a field goal that honestly I thought they could have just kept pushing. They were at Minnesota twenty two, and it was I didn't think I didn't I I did not think that there was that that's when the penalties started to. No, not on non offense. Excuse me. That's 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 when I thought the the offense was starting to get gashed, like slow down a little sure. bit there. I think that 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 drive could have absolutely ended on a touchdown. That's a very different game at that point. So just it, once again, it's a tale of we've talked about it and we you had the stat and again the three and out set doesn't really apply here, but it's a it's an inconsistent offense, right. which well, is a problem when you team yeah. right. Yes. And that's that's something that Dan Campbell said is like there were there were some really good stretches in this game where it looked like the Lions were were continuing what what they did against the Commanders. They they, they start out hot and in and even this in the second half, you know, they start out the second half with 10 consecutive points, build up that lead again. And listen, all of that should have you still optimistic about this team this year and in the future because they're getting better. They're being competitive. They're they're I mean, I can't remember the last time the Lions had this many two two score leads in a season and we're only three games in like they they are building out good leads and they're doing it with really really good football especially on the offensive side of the ball and listen i would be going into week four with a big old smile on my face think thinking this team is a pretty damn good one and two team if it weren't for the injuries because man if there's if there's a better way to to put an even further damper on on a disappointing game it's Tracy Walker potentially having an Achilles injury. We're, we're still kind of waiting to see there, but but Dan Campbell threw out the word Achilles, and the last time he did that was Jeff Okuda, and that's not not a good thing. Is seeing Amon Ra limp limp around there, and and maybe he'll be okay. It sounds yeah. Like, I saw you know, ESPN it, was more saying that ESPN was saying he just Amon Ra himself is claiming they just rolled his leg there. So sure. hopefully but that's that's just all that is. Ankles injury tend to learn to. Team, you know, I'm on a tough. He'll, he'll, I'm sure he'll play through Swift it. Swift but... is the most concerning for me sure. because it's clear that they're going to have to to keep Swift healthy, Ryan. They're going to have to keep him on a pitch count, and I don't think this run game can 
really afford to. I thought Jamal Williams was fine today, but he can't do all the work for you. Yeah. And the troubling thing about Swift is now that they're they're piling up the injuries. It's it's yep. not just the ankle, it's the shoulder injury that they mentioned on on the broadcast too. So injuries are a huge concern. I mean I mean it it was player at, um, Josh Reynolds on Josh the play Reynolds. where he gets clipped by Klee Freeman. Klee Freeman, not Ka Lee Freeman. Um but uh yeah, it I mean damn right? Like the lions are hit early with injuries and like, it's just, it's not stopping. And, and that's, what's going to get tested is, is the depth of this team. Because part of me really thinks like Amani Aruaria is not the corner that he was today. Like, I think that he was clearly playing through that back injury and there's no way that old ass Adam Thielen was doing all that to him. So like, <laughs> like part of me thinks that like some of these guys are like, you know, they're, they're stepping up, they're playing through injuries and, and they want to be out there. It, it's very clear that they, they want to give everything to this team. It's just right now there, there isn't a whole lot of depth at certain positions. Like if Tracy Walker has a serious injury, what happens? Yeah. Yeah. And it, like we've it, talked no. about before, we've talked about before injuries, everyone's got to deal with it. They're not an excuse after a point too. like, right. It, it hurts. It hurts entirely to be missing those guys, but at some point, you still need to put you still need to put the sausage together. Yeah, it's just it sucks that they're going through this as much as they are already. I mean, we were already complaining about injuries with the offensive line and and the ridiculousness that that happened there, and to now lose maybe your most God maybe your most important defensive player. Like, I know I know that sounds kind of crazy considering not uh, really. It playing, doesn't sound all that crazy at all considering how Jeff Okuda is playing. Like, he's the captain of that defense. He's he's essentially kind of the play caller, the guy who who communicates with all levels of the defense, like that's a huge loss. And I'm not sure people realize it yet. Well, let's let's dive into that. Let's let's take a quick break. We're going to talk with our Twitch chat a little bit. And uh, we'll, we'll I want to talk about that. We got to talk about players as well. Some standouts, some good, some bad, some ugly. One uh, one cornerback who I thought was very, very good. And we've got to uh, continue to do our victory lap for him. And one who was uh, a goat today, and I don't mean that in the capital letters. I mean in the kind that gets sacrificed and blamed. So we'll be right back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. But first, the Pride of Detroit POD cast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. That's right. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players. The training facilities at Allen Park they're going to need to protein up before this next game, especially with some of these injuries. Uh, each two ounce grab a bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein. Plenty there. And each stick has eight grams. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced all natural black Angus beef and pride itself on superior quality, revolutionary branding, Unique flavors that go beyond your stereotypical jerky offering. Like, for example, I just cracked into over the weekend. It was the, uh, I'm almost through the sampler pack they sent us, the victorious B.I.G. they sent us, which is a beer-infused jerky with uh, Victory Storm King Imperial Stout. It's very good, very peppery. I like sweet, peppery jerky. It's probably one of my favorites up there right now. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how, are you guys almost done with your bags? Oh, I'm not. I flew through them. I have nothing left. <laughs> You've got nothing left. Wow. I'm, I'm about to order a new, a new, pa- a new, probably a, the same sample pack. And 
I'm going to do it quick because. Yes, we, we have to make sure this. And by the way, we're not trying to hard sell you on this. We actually really like this jerky. It is, it is good jerky. I like having it for my shifts. So for the, but here's the thing for the rest of September, only five more days. You can go to righteousfelon.com and use the discount code POD20 at checkout to get 20% off your order. I think we got another promo code coming after September, but it will not be a full 20%. 20% until the end of September. That's promo code POD20 at righteousfelon.com. Go get some. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. We move on, as always, to this segment where we're going to hand out not quite game balls, not not quite standouts, not quite studs and duds. Maybe good, the bad, and the ugly. I don't know. This is the this is the ephemeral who did good, who did bad segment where we just talk about everything we examined and keep pouring out our notebooks from this game. So, Jeremy, as you are the Lord in Chief, the High and Mighty One, do we start with the bad, or do you want to get some good in here? Let's talk about this guy right here for the live audience. For, for the, the live the, audience, okay. Yeah, podcast is not a visual medium. We are still a podcast at the end of the day. What has happened is one of the things you can do on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Pride Detroit, is redeem channel points, which you've accrued up from watching us, to change Jeremy's background because he has a green screen. Jeremy's background right now is Lions cornerback Jeff Okuda. Yes. Now, I think I mentioned this prior. Jeff Okuda, Justin Jefferson, had only three receptions on six targets for 14 yards this game. The person largely responsible for that is Jeff Okuda. Jeff Okuda now in three games has played against some of the best wide receivers that are currently out there with Terry McLaurin, Justin Jefferson, and Devonta Smith. Smith, And look, there were some people calling him a turd and demanding he be flushed way back. And I'm just, I'm going to keep dancing on those people's graves because they're wrong. They're, they're, they're very wrong. And like, but this was a game for, this was a statement game for Jeff Okuda for, for a game where I think 
there's some ugly notes on the rest of the, the, the coverage that we're going to get into, but Jeff Okuda was not among them. Jeff Okuda did his job and he did it excellently. And, and listen, I, I've been obviously a, a pretty big Jeff Okuda Stan all off season saying like you guys, you guys that are, that are counting him out are making a mistake. But I, I even owe Jeff Okuda an apology for this week. Cause Ryan, we were talking about how to stop Justin Jefferson during first bite with a reef. And I said, the way to stop, stop Justin Jefferson is have Darius Slay on your team and the lines don't have Darius Slay. Now, listen, I'm not, I'm not calling Jeff Okuda Darius Slay, but he did what Darius Slay did. And listen, he got some help a lot of times. They they certainly bracketed Justin Jefferson a lot. They did double team him a few times too, yes. But not all the time. And and Jeff Okuda shut him down, man. Like, you know, there are already some some next-gen stats out there. He was lined up one-on-one with Justin Jefferson 32 times. And like Chris mentioned, that only turned into 14 yards. And listen, I, I didn't I didn't even think the Lions were going to shadow him. And they didn't 100% of the time. But they did a lot more than I expected them to because they normally play just sides. So big, big, big game for Jeff Okuda. And I don't think I don't think these first three games could be more promising for, for a guy that had a lot of questions to answer. Yeah, I, I mentioned this on one of our podcasts. We do so many of them. I can't keep track of all of them. But like <laughs> it felt like Jeff Okuda's first game was like, look at how good of a run defender I am. And then last game it was, hey, I, I have the chops to cover somebody like Terry McLaurin. This game, it was just like Justin Jefferson, top three receiver in the NFL versus Jeff Okuda. And like he stacked, as you mentioned, Jeremy, a third game in a row. So it's not like it's not like he's just like flashing here and there. Or it's like, oh, there's a play where he looks like, you know, the the player that the Lions took third overall. Like it's like the whole body of work now. Like we have three games where Jeff Okuda, like athletically, and Dan Campbell said this a bunch, right? Like he he looks just as good as ever. Like it's yeah. nothing athletic with him any anymore. Like that can't be the concern. And and he's putting even more concerns away with the way that he's playing. So uh, if I can transition to the ugly Chris. Mm-hmm. I was going to go there anyway. For as good as Jeff Okuda looked and for all of the attention that Justin Jefferson wasn't being given, it was the other side of the field. And it was Amani Oruarie and Adam I Thielen. He, I think he shouted Adam Adam Thielen a lot of it. And uh, yeah, yeah, go on, go on. Yeah, and I mean Adam Thielen, six catches, sixty-one yards, and a touchdown. And I, I, it, it was not just the coverage. There was a terrible effort by Amani to to make a tackle on Dalvin Cook early in the game um, when the Vikings were in the red zone, and it was. I mean, it was really bad and, and he did bounce back and he made like some shoestring tackles and things like that. But this was like the worst game I've seen him play in a long time. Now, this is a guy who's also dealing with a back injury, though, too, Jeremy. So, yeah, I mean, how much how much slack do we give him? And should at any point, should the Lions have not maybe not, it's hard to pull the plug on a guy like that who you want to believe is your other outside cornerback, but like. I mean, was Will Harris going to play worse? Was Bobby Price going to play worse? It's hard to know, man, because I, I know maybe one or two. I mean, the 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 legal contact on Jeff Okuda was a horrible call, but most of the ones that were on Amani in this game were not bad calls. Yeah, and in so, fact, he, pr- he probably should have been called for the one on fourth down that the, the Vikings were begging for. 
Um, and, and so what? He was at five. He was called for five penalties. The Lions had seven penalties. Lions had seven penalties in this game. One of them we will talk about in a second because it's BS. I forget what the what the seventh was. Um, but those other five were Amani or Warrior. It was the the one you're missing is the delay a game for the delay for the so offense delay a game. The there right. was one. There was one after a touchdown, which again we will talk about in a second. The rest was among all. So all of the actual like in play holding pass interference, so on and so forth. That's all AO. That was all AO this game. And, and honestly, like maybe his worst play was he was one on one with was it Ben Ellison? They're they're blocking tight end. Yes. And he got two or three steps on him. Like, how does that happen? You're I, I mean, obviously I have to I have to watch the entire route and see how it developed. Maybe out physicaled him, but you can't let a blocking tight end beat you like that. That's it's rough. And I, I don't know what the answer is. I mean, I think this is what we were concerned about all offseason, right? It's like the they they look thin at corner. And maybe we thought Jeff Okuda would be the one that struggles over Imani, but I mean I uh, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. I've had concerns about Amani for for a very long time, and and I, I was hopeful with the way he finished last season, and I was hoping he'd, he'd be able to carry that over into the season. But he hasn't been good really in any of these games. And listen, he was he was a guy who they were talking about maybe giving an extension this offseason. You know, we've talked a lot about T.J. Hawkinson and how he's disappointed in what could be a big year for his future here in Detroit. I think I think Amani's off to a real rough start. Yes, I he was. I I think the problem is is like uh, again penalty wise he was a liability too, and once you get tagged like two three t- three times like that you got to know that the zebras are looking at you. You got to know that like all eyes are on you. I'm like like you guys. I'm kind of shocked he didn't get flagged on what was it on Phelan, uh yeah. on the, yeah, fourth, on the down. fourth down play. Yeah. yeah, like they they wanted that. They were screaming holy hell, and I don't know how how legitimate it was. I have to go back and see it, but it I, 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 I know, but like, again, once you start getting the, the officials on you, like they start eyeballing you more because they just know you're a problem for that game. Yeah. But yeah, I don't, that's, it's, it's a problem and we'll have to see how depth handles in coverage, especially, especially like if that Tracy Walker thing happens, I don't know if you can have Will Harris help at corner, or if you're just going to have to move him back to safety or, what you can do there, but let's move on. Talk about some other players. Um, I mentioned it. We might as well talk about Jamal Williams, who DeAndre Swift, we know is limited on been on a pitch count because of the injuries that are nagging him. Williams. I thought though, I'm not going to expect every game for him to be a workhorse, but 20 carries averaging 4.4 is pretty good. It's pretty good. You have help from the offensive line. Well, the one thing I don't understand, and the, what we keep alluding to, is um, the unsportsmanlike penalty for dancing in the end zone. Like, what year is this? <laughs> Everyone referenced it too. Everyone referenced the stupid effing Key and Peel sketch about the four thrusts, p- pelvic thrusts, too many. Maybe that's it. I don't know. That, here's the thing, though. That's that's not even what happened. Like, yeah. he's just like he's. He's circling his gyrating hips. Gyrating like, his hips. It's not. He's, it's not. He's swinging his hips, Jeremy. Here's the thing. Okay, so the the idea behind the penalty is what he's being sexually suggestive. But I like. I'm I sorry, really Elvis. Elvis was it. sexually suggestive. That's what it is. Like yeah. they they won't allow sexually suggestive things on the field, and that was. I mean, 
what decade are we in if that's considered sexually I mean, the 1950s. He was, he was essentially Elvis. doing a hula hoop. Like that's it. Like if if you have to if you have to penalize him for that, you have to penalize anyone who does a hula hoop celebration from now on. Like this is, it's absolutely ridiculous, and it didn't end up costing anyone anything. But like on a moral standpoint, from like that is just absolutely. Like, I swear to God, if 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 Jamal Williams gets fined for that, we are starting a GoFundMe and paying it for him because that is some bullshit. I'm sorry. That is so ridiculously sensitive to a nothing burger. And Jamal said it after the game. He's been doing this for years. This has not been considered sexual or whatever in any sort of way. Maybe this is just something I'm grasping on to be mad about because I don't want to talk about the game. But that that was an absolute embarrassing, stupid call from, from the NFL. And I hope they write him an apology. You, you just saying, like, if any of the NFL players moving forward do any like hula hooping celebrations just totally made me think that like <laughs> the scene from death to smoochie with the cookie that he says is a rocket ship. It's like, it's not nobody who ever does that celebration is ever pantomiming hula hooping. Yeah. What but brought up their ass the about this? We have, we have, we haven't, we have NFL football that's on the same channel as, as Friday night SmackDown, like there are way more sexually suggestive like, things that so, happen so, someone in brought, professional I think, wrestling. I, so, someone brought this up, like the the NFL right before the games announced they had booked Rihanna for the halftime show for the yeah. Super Bowl. Uh, Nothing Jamal Williams is does up there is going to be close to anything Rihanna is going to be doing. Well, he, here's the thing that legitimately how it impacted the game, though, right? Is like right the the Lions have to move back, kick from their own 20. Sure. And Minnesota's able to bring the ball all the way out to the 36. And they got it all the way to Detroit's 48, but they were lucky enough that Dalvin Cook fumbled the football. True. Because, like, otherwise, that game that game's 24-14. It could have easily yeah. have been 24-21 yeah. in, in a hurry. Yeah. And, yeah, so, I mean, it was just stupid. And it didn't, ha- it didn't end up having the effect that we thought it did because – of the lions luck with turnovers, but imagine, imagine if the Vikings had scored on that drive. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah, Jeremy would have lost his job. Probably. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's I said. mean, real quick. The last good thing. Yeah. The last good thing I want to say real quick about Jamal Williams is like, I mean, 20 carries for 87 yards at 4.4 a clip when your longest run is 15 yards. Like, I know that's the Jeremy game, but like, that's just a really efficient runner, dude. Like also, I also throw I thought, on top of like, that. Throw on top of that, twenty yards receiving, one hundred and seven scrimmage yards. Yeah, which yeah, is like yeah, is a really a good pretty... catch and, and run after in, in this game too. So yeah, yeah definitely a, a good game for him. Um, I still I still can't ha- help but imagine on that third and fourteen draw, if DeAndre Swift picks up the first down, it was a good run by Jamal. But you know, there's just there's just that extra level. Like he's the reason his longest run was fifteen yards is because that's kind of all he's capable of. No offense to him, right. He, he, he's not the explosive guy. And that's what was missing in the Lions run game this week. I, I said it all week on Twitter, like these 50 yard runs, that's not a sustainable way to have a successful running game. And the Lions were successful beyond those long plays. But the thing that made them special through the first two games were, were those long runs and they just didn't have them in this game. One of the things they'll probably have to worry about is who's going to be RB3 at this point. I know we probably said that that wasn't really much of an issue, but I don't expect Craig Reynolds to really be that. So hopefully Justin Jackson, I think he was inactive today. Maybe he gets some touches moving forward if Swift is going to be. Yeah. 
I don't on a pitch count. I do kind of find their fascination with Craig Reynolds interesting because Jackson, I mean, Jackson's been a special teamer the first three, three weeks, but it feels like his skill set is a little more in line with what Swift can do. I, I don't, I don't feel like, I know Craig Reynolds had one or two big runs last year, but I just don't see it out of him. Like the explosiveness isn't there like it is with Jackson. So I'm with you. I'd like to see him get some more opportunities on offense because I, I mean, Swift had what, 10, 10 touches this week. He had seven last week. Someone's got to take up that that mantle, and and if you want to be explosive in the run game, it's not it can't be just give Jamal Williams twenty carries. That shouldn't really be the strategy, I don't think. No, you're not going to you're not going to get these games out of Jamal Williams all the time. He can play be very well, but he's a bowl in a china shop versus Swift, who's going to cut and be explosive. Right. And now we move on to the point where I think uh, we now have a state mandated order that we have to talk about Jared Goff every week, uh, Ryan. So. Uh, QBR comes in at 74, passer rating of 79. I think some of that's brought down by the interception at the end of the game, which is kind of bad, but it's kind of whatever. At that point, the Lions were going to win it. But 24 for 41, how how are we feeling about – here's the thing I will say about Goff. This is the best – this was the best game for him that I've seen from him in picking up pressure and reacting to pressure. I think he's had a lot, his pocket awareness. Some people think we're really overly negative on Jared Goff. Guess what? This is the positive thing I've got to say for him here. He picked up on pressure better than I've seen him pick up on pressure at any point in his playing career. And even running, like he's a little awkward when he has to run and slide, but that's that, that, that I thought was a big plus to his game today. Yeah. I thought it was awesome that I think, I think it was Brady Quinn who like called out Jared Goff for having a professional baseball player as a father, but not ever teaching him his son how to slide. <laughs> um, I, but, I will say this. This was the first game where I'm like, oh, when Jared Goff does that spin move, I'm usually terrified. Wasn't terrified well, here. The but, proof yeah. is in the pudding. I mean, look at the box score. Jared Goff didn't get sacked. Yeah. He he didn't get sacked. And like, just and think it's not about like your the head Vikings right didn't bring pressure. Like right. Darius it, Smith was back there. Right. What I'm trying to say is to add to your point, like I can think of a lot of times where Jared Goff was forced out of the pocket and he never he never took a sack. And I mean, that was I think and this might sound crazy to a lot of people, but I thought that this was probably Jared Goff's best game so far this year. That's not crazy at all. I think I think it's up there with his best game as a Detroit Lion. And and this is why you don't go box score scouting. This is why you don't look at last week and be like, oh, four touchdowns, 140 passer rating. He was much better in this game. Much yeah. better in this game. Yes. Because of a lot of things you said, he's evading pressure. I think it was one of those fourth down. One of those was on fourth down where pressure came right up the middle. He sidestepped it, started running to his Dude, right, and, and made a perfect pass. pass on the run. Yeah, and like years this- pass, he's backpedaling and losing 15 yards on a sack. He didn't. And, and here's, I, I think one of the people that deserves some criticism today is, is Ben Johnson because I, for all the Jared Goff fluff, he cannot throw an out route from the opposite hash. Like he does not have the zip on his ball to do it. He tries it all the time. Like a lot of this offense is, I I, I find it to be most successful when they're working the middle of the field. Yeah. When they're working they the middle of the field, enough. they didn't, they didn't do it enough. And to be honest, how much of that was because Amon Ross St. Brown was hurt. You know, I, I think yeah. he's he's a big component and a big factor in their ability to really work the middle of the field. But like the the, the out routes that that golf just can't throw like that can't be a part of the offense because 
I mean, how many times is it like Jared Goff is throwing short of the sticks on third down? Yeah. Like it, it's 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 really frustrating. And and the thing is, the the third down conversion rate finally caught up to bite them in the ass today. Yeah. They were three of sixteen on third down. Horrible. I, I don't know too many football games where you're going to win when you're yeah. three of 16 on third down. Well, if, if you're four of six on fourth down, it sure helps. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. But... I made, I made the joke, right? Like I was like, man, why did the lions like, why does their playbook not have something where they can throw past the six on third down? And somebody was like, well, when you're better on fourth down, I mean, whatever. Right. I mean, <laughs> yeah, if, if, it's you, true. I mean if you approach every set of downs where like, okay, we don't have to get it in three, we can get it in four. That's, that's something, but at the same time, like you can't do it's that. Not ideal, yeah, that's sustainable, right? No. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I, I think I agree with you. Like I think their third down play calling could have been a lot better in this game, and and I don't, I don't discredit golf for for really any of that. I thought, and I'm I'm just, like I'm trying to rack my brain of bad throws that he made in this game. One, one maybe. Like he, I, honestly, I think the one bad throw to me was the the interception he threw at the end like but that's i mean that's i know that right i like, know that's pressure that, coming down you need a big play you can't take a sack or the game's over i i'm I, i'm throwing that out as i don't care i think there was okay. a deep ball that he just missed i want to say it was like brock Wright or something i don't know yeah um but like you also think about that that th- throw he had to josh reynolds that josh reynolds i guess lost in the sun or something i don't i don't know what happened there yeah, I, I just wild. i can't point to a lot of passes that were just like you should have made that throw that that guy was open, you missed him. There wasn't many, if any of that. I, and so that's why yeah. I think you're absolutely right. This was his best game as in, in 2022. I I think maybe not the best game as a line, but top three. Yeah. No question. Yeah. It was, it was really a product of the final drive because there was the, the throw where he, he underthrew Amon Ra. Yeah. But again, he was like trying to throw across the field, which is just not a thing that Jared Goff can really do unless unless he's got a guy who's like wide open, but Hey, we talked good about Jared Goff guys. We did. I wonder if they'll rewrite the history books. I wonder if they'll rewrite the comments of people yelling at us. Um, Amon Ra, by the way, you bring up the sad point that his streak of eight plus receptions a game does come to an end in this game, but he'll be back. I believe in my boy. So does their touchdown streak. Yep. Yep. Oh man, they had a chance to keep it going too. I know, they I know. Sure did. One more good note, if I may, and I did not think I would say be saying his name here. Um, Alex Anzalone might be playing some of the best football of his life so far. Not a high bar, but still, like, I, what? I don't know. He was fine, but I feel like there was a lot of missed tackles again in this game. He, I thought last week he was really good. This week he's he's fine, but there are just too many too many missed tackles on the second level. I, I, I again I I came away from this game extremely disappointed with the run defense, and I don't know if that was him. I don't know if that was Malcolm. I I don't know if it was maybe just the middle of the defense not not doing well. The the sec you know secondary wasn't tackling particularly well as we pointed out earlier. But I'm I'm not wanna... I'm not crediting anyone in the middle of that defense for a good game. I mean, you wanted, I think, actually, I did have one note down here on a name you wanted to pick out. So I'll remind you, uh, you did not think Charles Harris had a good game. No. Did we talk about the defensive front on the podcast or was that off podcast? That was off podcast, I believe. Yeah, let's let's talk about the defensive front because they were definitely a huge disappointment in this game. You know, the Lions get one sack in this game and it it is from Anzalone, but did not, and, and Ryan was mentioning this, like, 
and I, I, I honestly think this has been a problem all, all season so far. The Lions aren't getting pressure r- rushing for. Charles Harris is not getting pressure. Aiden Hutchinson is not getting a ton of pressure when when they're just lining up and not blitzing and not not doing anything creative on the front. And I need to see them win a lot more one-on-ones because that's, I mean, if, if you're relying on your secondary to cover man-on-man with, with no over, over-the-top help, eventually that's going to burn you. And, and the Lions have been lucky and not, not giving up a lot of huge pass plays in general. But they can't keep sending six and seven to get to the opposing quarterbacks because, I mean, this is this is why you pay Charles Harris. This is why you draft Aiden Hutchinson. Like, we were all saying, now they finally have some pass rush. Now they finally have some pass rush. But it turns out they still got to send an extra two, three guys to get there. And that's that's a really big disappointment for me through three games. Yeah, I think when you look at the defensive line today, like you mentioned, Jeremy, just the inability to really generate any pressure with with four men. But uh, if I can say one good thing about Charles Harris was the pressure and the quarterback hit that he had on Kirk Cousins, where he had the wherewithal like in midair to like contort his body so he didn't put all of him on Kirk Cousins. Definitely saved the Lions from like another penalty that would have kept that drive alive. But like I, I agree, like for the most part, like the the thing and Ali McNeil almost killed a wide receiver on a wide receiver screen. <laughs> sure. He like was running. He was ru- he was running back towards the the snap, and <laughs> I thought Ali McNeil would have. I, I thought he like just absolutely exploded that person. But like he's another guy who it's like okay, like he's supposed to be the the answer for you know, the three tech pass rush, like this is what we're going to do with Aline McNeil this year. And it just seems like he's kind of miscast at this point. Like he's not, he's not showing up. Yeah. I, I, I don't think, I don't think it's him. I think it's just, he doesn't fit what they're doing. Hmm. Let's take another break. And we're going to take final lessons away from this game and what the lions can learn going forward in the future. And boy, do they have something to really pick up. Wrap up shop, close it down, read some reviews next on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Uh, before we get too far, happy Rosh Hashanah out there to Jeremy and to everyone else. Thank you. Did I get that right? You, you that, that pause always terrifies me where it's like, I've got notes in, I've got no, notes you're on. good. Okay. 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 <laughs> thank, thank you for giving me a miniature heart attack. Why don't you make it worse by reading some of our reviews now where people will absolutely take a dump on me? <laughs> All right. Go ahead. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Uh, first one comes from Transplant to Cali Lions fan says not adequate. Give it five stars. Not adequate. Exceptional. Great group of oh. hosts with ever changing titles. Good balance of fandom with professional insights. By far my favorite Lions podcast. Thank you. Next one comes from four six eight two zero. Says love it. Simply says best Lions podcast. Okay. Uh, next one comes from at John W E. I'm sorry at John We. East says read that the title is read me five stars says blue background 10 out of 10. 
Again, I was thinking about maybe making. Offense. I was gonna say maybe I was gonna make try to come up with a new background for it, but now we got to keep that. <laughs> now we got. I just it. I just noticed that other Twitch streams are now taking our Honolulu blue background. We are the it's original, true. and the rest of the world is just a sketch pad tracing it's paper. Something about the sincerest form of flattery, right? Yeah. Uh, is that it? Well, Oh yeah, let's let's go one more. Yeah, but, yeah, we'll do one quick one here uh, from Hayes Math Man says unmatched depth of content. Five stars says, "I've been a Lions fan for forty years." Insert sympathetic nod here. This team is entertaining and in- I'm sorry, this team is in- entertaining and informative. I still cannot believe I watched the fourth quarter of a preseason game with knowledge of the players on the field and caring about their performance. Living in another country, I am bereft of Lions, fellow Lions fans, but your podcast makes me feel more in touch with the team than I did when I lived in the States. Here's to your team and hoping the Lions take a running back in the first round of the next draft. Oh, geez. I was oh. talking on the postgame show that if Jared Goff does work out, if... Maybe the Lions, maybe, <laughs> excuse me, consider, you know, Will Anderson. Maybe. Don't you imagine him as a linebacker? That that would be good. Okay. I, I don't think there'd be many people that would be against Will Anderson as a Detroit Lions draft pick. Are we just piling on Jeremy right now by talking about the 2023 NFL draft? I'll I'll be literally, I have no idea who that is. <laughs> and I don't care. Well, I mean, I get it. He's not J.J. McCarthy, so I totally understand that you have nowhere in your, you know, maize and blue brain pan for that. No, it's just I don't care about college football right now at all. Like, even Michigan, I don't care about. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, a, yeah, yeah. A close, a, close, a close win over Maryland is enough to pull you off the pile. Doing an awful lot of tweeting about Michigan State yesterday. Yeah, I, I was good. <laughs> I said I didn't care about Michigan. I didn't say I didn't care about Michigan State. <laughs> you said you didn't care about college football. Okay, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to pull a fast one on you. The Spartans are terrible. Oh, <laughs> my trash. gosh. Okay. But I was going to say, I was getting uh, questions on the post game. Who's, which was a more embarrassing loss, the Michigan Michigan State or Lions? I'm like, it's not even close. It's Michigan State. Oh, my State. God. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> Not even close. Anyway, Not even close. Speaking of embarrassing, what are the lessons that I think the Lions should take away from this game as we look towards what did we say the line opened up, uh, Jeremy, for uh, Lions Seahawks? According to DraftKings Sportsbook, the Lions are six point favorites over the Seahawks, which I mean, I'd have, I have to do some digging to see the last time they were that heavy of a favorites, but it's been a long time. See, and now I'm sitting here and I'm looking at like stat. I, I, I need to stop box score reading. Because I'm seeing Geno Smith through for 325 yards. So lost to the Seahawks. But I think that's just how Probably. offenses are now. Like 300 yards is no, like, I'm, I guess I'm conditioned from the NFL to be like, wow, 300 yards. That's a lot of, that's a lot of, that's a lot of passing. It's kind of pedestrian now for a lot of teams. Now, if you're throwing the ball a lot, that usually means you're playing from behind too. So, yes. Yeah. That's, that's a big, but yeah, I, don't, I mean, I have a lesson. Was, go hit me. All right. So I think a lesson learned from this game is that when you're up three and you're in the opponent's territory and you have the chance to just put the game away with your offense, which is your best asset, you should probably not kick a 50 plus yard field goal. (laughs) That's Um, an easy one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, in all seriousness, like I think I the, the lesson that can be taken from this game is that Dan Campbell does need to trust his offense. He needs to trust his offense to be the best part of his football team because it will 
continue to be week in and week out the one thing that you can count on going for the Lions. I think each and every week you should be able to count on the Lions to score points. And, and like I said in the first segment, if the Lions defense can hold people to to, to 21 points, they're going to be in a lot of football games this year. Yeah. They're going to be in a lot of football games this year. I mean, even if they hold teams to 24, 27 points, I think they're going to be in a lot of football games this year. So I hope the one lesson learned for the coaching staff is that the offense is going to take them places. The defense is going to prevent them from going to those places. And I would take that a step further. Don't just trust your offense. Trust your offensive line a little bit more because the lines were awful on third down. They, they missed out on a couple fourth downs. And, and the one fourth down that they did decide to run it on, on fourth and one, they ran kind of that counter, a, a kind of slow developing play. Just trust your guys to go out there and beat the crap out of the Vikings defensive line. Just don't get cute with it. Go I formation, run it down their throat. You're good enough to do that. I have a question to ask you about the offensive line. Do you feel like without Logan Stenberg in the lineup and having Evan Brown in there instead that we saw some residual effects of that? That's really hard for me to say on on, on just the live viewing. For sure. I agree. It's a tough question to answer. Maybe. Maybe they had a a little bit of a, a different outlook. You know, the pass protection, I think, in this game was pretty darn good. And I mean, how many times did Jared Goff throw the ball in this game? 41 times? Yeah. Has he has he thrown the ball that many times in any game yet so far this year? And and they were playing with, like like we said, they had a two-score lead at two different points in this game. He shouldn't be throwing it that much. And I, I understand, like, sometimes the down and distance calls for it. Sometimes when when Swift is hurt and you have to rely on Jamal, you want, you want to put it in your playmaker's hands, and, and Jamal isn't necessarily that guy. So I get all of that, but they need, they need to... And it sounds weird considering some people are, are accusing the Lions of being too conservative in their play calling at the end of this game. But there were moments where I feel like they weren't as conservative they, as they need to be. Just like, don't get cutesy on some of these third downs and just do what you're good at. Yeah, stick to the game plan. Just just stick to the plan that you came in with. Like, you know, with... The aggression I thought was directed in good points. It just needs to, you know... When you do get, I, I agree with that, Jeremy. I, I think that's a good way to put it. Like when you do go conservative, that's not a bad thing to go conservative. You can burn a lot of clock that way. Just do it efficiently. Yeah. Defensively. Or, or, or finish it. Right. <laughs> Defensively, uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of scratching my head here because I'm starting to run out of things that they do well right now. Well, like I'll if, say, I'll, I'll say one right now since we're talking about the Seahawks. Put Jeff Okuda to shadow GK DK Metcalf. Sure. Just do that. Like, I don't think, I don't think Geno Smith's going to have 300 passing yards. If you're doing that. Yeah. I think a really tough thing though, is that the lions safety depth and how well they're going to be able to put a guy over the top to help Jeff Okuda. Tyler. If if they, if yeah, yeah, Tyler Lockett's a hell of a receiver. Do you trust Amani in that matchup? One-on-one. No, but like, do you, do you know, do you know what's a bigger concern of mine though? A bigger concern obviously is the run defense and like yep. the, the, the lesson that can be learned is that the Eagles game wasn't a fluke and it wasn't just all Jalen hurts. Like I think that Washington is just a really bad football team. Um, that's not taking anything away from the lions win, but like, I think we had some Fugazi belief in the lions defense from that first half. 
because of how bad Washington is. Like, yeah, for, the for, Eagles for were record. able to run the ball, and now the Vikings have been able to run the ball. For for record, for those because we talked about a lot off stream, but like Carson Wentz got sacked nine times today by the Eagles. So I'm not taking away from Aiden Hutchinson's performance, but we all thought that pass rush was very legit against the commanders. And maybe we've got to re 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 reestablish some of our uh, expectations. They, they need to figure a lot out on defense. And I know 28 points against the Vikings doesn't sound like that much, but again, it feels like they left some points out on, on, on the field, especially you know, considering why, the fumble. I just, I like, I don't know what their specialty is now. I really thought maybe they had turned a quarter in the run game. And listen, I don't want to overreact to one game. Like maybe that maybe they bounce back next week against Seattle. Maybe the, I mean there's probably a good chance, right? Their offensive line isn't very good. But it's just it, I I think I think it's fair to be pretty disappointed in the defensive line play in general right now. And I don't know how they pull out of that. Is is it just getting the guys back healthy? Is it just getting Josh Pascal and, and Romeo Quara and you know, maybe Levi at some point, does that help out enough? Maybe. Sure. But I think just, Aiden will continue to grow. I think Aiden will continue to grow this season yeah. and it will help. It will help as he gets more games under his belt. I've been a big proponent of that. It's just that does nothing for you short term right now. I'm sure by like November, if he's still healthy, Aiden Hutchinson's going to be playing out of his mind right now in September. He's still getting used to the speed of the NFL. I think a lot of it, I mean, I don't think the, the second line of the Lions defense played very well at all today. Like it, it was probably, it was probably their worst game of the year. I, th- I thought so far, just because a lot of the play side stuff that was happening and Jeremy, you mentioned this, but like the ball was going play side and then it was one cut and no one was there like yeah. nobody for, for five yards. And it, it just seemed like nobody was, was, you know, was just fitting run gaps. And it was just like, I don't know. It, it was it was pretty disheartening to watch that because they they got whatever they wanted. Like the reason why, I mean, we talked about how bad the Lions were on third down, right? Yeah. We talked about how they were three of sixteen. The Vikings were only two of nine. They were only they weren't in that many third down situations because they were running the right. ball so effectively on first and second down. Like, I mean, the Vikings had nine first downs rushing the football today. Like that's a pretty big number. And that's something that the Lions really have to figure out an answer for. Cause I don't know. I don't know if the answer is here right now, Jeremy. And and I don't know if that answer is, is like you said, Josh Pascal, or if it's Romeo Aquara coming back, if you can even count on that, but it's like, those guys aren't, they're, they're not coming back anytime soon. Yeah. They're, they kind of got to hold, hold on and hopefully facing a, a Seahawks offense that, is okay, but I, I think I think they're going to want to run the ball. They're they're probably going to want to run the ball, and I don't know, I don't know. I, I I I hope to see a bounce back performance, but uh, I was hoping for a little bit more progress than we've seen in three weeks. The one thing I'm curious about going into next game, and I hope I'm sure it's going to be a sellout in Ford Fields, but judging by the reactions that was happening over Twitter, and I I know it's the negative voices are the loudest. I don't think this game, like we, t- I th- we talked about it, like this, this doesn't make it same old lions. You're just an idiot. If you're thinking like that, this isn't like a case where the team is perpetually doomed to always fall over its feet. I am curious now at one and two, how much more like, 
I'm always worried when it's in Ford Field how much rope the Lions get before the Bronx cheers come out, you know, when they're not performing very well in a half. In a half. Because when Ford Field is rocking, that is rocking very loud. And usually Seattle's used to playing in a very loud place, but that's usually on their side. In I, Seattle, I, we, we see Seattle, Seattle's record when they're away from Lumen Field, it's it's really like on a macro level, it's never good. I I think to your point, Chris, I agree with you that there's some concern about when that can crop up because I think a perfect example of this is Jeremy. Like how you said, this game was a win-win going into it, it seemed like. By the time it was 24-14 and it was the fourth quarter, it's like, okay, the Lions belong here. Like they belong with this football team. They belong with like one of the best teams in the NFC North. And then all of a sudden they're on the losing end and the expectations change and they change. So like, I mean, they changed over like the course of three quarters of football, like, and and so that's the thing, Chris is like, I really think it's very important for the lions to get out of the gate in a hurry against Seattle. Like, I, I think that they need to strike fast and they need to like strike often, especially on offense. They've done it two weeks in a row now, though. Yeah, they yeah, two they nothing lead, fourteen nothing lead. So I, I think, I don't think that's a big concern of mine in terms of just you know letting yeah. the the Bronx cheers come out and anything like that. But it's just they got to hold on to the leads because when they start to sure. lose it, like if this game had been Ford Field and it goes since the half 14-14, people are upset. Mm-hmm. Sure, probably a little bit, but I, I don't. I mean, I don't know. Like. I'm just not I'm I'm not concerned about blowing two score leads in general because I again I think that's just the new NFL. Yeah. Um it's just I mean, when, when you do it like this where, you know, yeah. a, a coaching decision clearly puts you behind beyond the eight ball there. Uh to, to Ryan's tough one to swallow. To Ryan's point, it's 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 always good in your mind to play with house money that always seems like a positive. But when you suddenly go up ten thousand and l- then lose that ten thousand of house money, that still stinks, and you <laughs> sure. still hate yourself for it. Brian probably can't relate to that. Are Never you kidding me? That man is a <laughs> god of free bets. <laughs> anyway, but, yeah, no, I, I like I don't. I just I don't feel like I'm that discouraged at the end of the day. Like I like I said at the top, like I'm I'm not mad. I'm I'm a little disappointed, but the lines are going to be in most if not all of the games this year and it's going to be fun and it's going to be frustrating because they're not going to win all those games they're going to lose some of them but man it's it's i mean i think here's what i think i i took from this game the cardiac cats are back oh like, yeah these games are going to increase everyone's blood pressure and let's, let's all take some blood thinners is that what helps no i don't think that helps at all I don't just know. A reminder, just a reminder that the Pride of Detroit podcast does not solicit medical <laughs> advice. We are not. We'll sell, we'll sell you beef jerky, but not medical advice. <laughs> until until some pharmaceutical company wants to be our live read sponsor. Just saying. I think we should get out of here, though. Let's do it. We've had a lot of content this week. We'll have a lot more next week for you, because we're your friends. We've got a long season ahead of us. So as we walk away from this one, close the book on it, move on to Seattle. This has been the Pride of Detroit PODcast. Myself at Chris Perfett. 
Jeremy at Detroit Online, Ryan at Ryan underscore POD. Guess what? We'll see you starside. Hey, this is Jeremy Reisman, and I'm here to remind you that the POD cast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, the jerky that helps fuel your Detroit Lions. Yes, y'all know I'm a real journalism, right? So when Righteous Felon approached me and said the Lions use your beef jerky, I had to do my journalistic duty and check. And indeed, Righteous Felon jerky and meat sticks are available to Lions players at their training facility in Allen Park. Each two-ounce bag has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has 8 grams of protein. It's good enough for our Detroit Lions. It's got to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon uses locally sourced, all-natural Black Angus beef and prides itself on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the discount code POD20 at checkout to get 20% off your order September only. It ends in September. Again, that's POD20 at your checkout.